HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Castor and Pollux, maker of America's number one organic pet food, Organics. Look for their newest line, Pristine, the only complete line of pet food made with responsibly sourced ingredients. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org slash pets. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Welcome to HRN Happy Hour. It's five o'clock somewhere. And somewhere just happens to be Bushwick. <laughs> I'm Kat Johnson, and here today I'm joined by the HRN membership coordinator, Hannah Forden. Hello. Woo. Um, our newest intern, Sam Lee, who is back from L.A., back in Brooklyn. Welcome back. Where I belong. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. We're so happy to have you. And we have David Tadashore in the booth. Oh, wow. What a great audience. You really know how to please the crowd. It's almost like he controls the volume. Yeah. Um, It's nothing like that. (laughs) He doesn't do anything. Yeah. Katie is in Vienna this week, but she'll be back next week. That's not appropriate. She's having a great time. Yeah. We need some like well, so are we, more so. music. Totally. Um, next week, I just wanted to go ahead and tease this. Our guests next week will be Mitchell Davis and Ashley Koziak from the James Beard Foundation. Very excited. They're, they're both HRN um, host alums as well. We're going to be talking about the Food Summit that's coming up, and we're excited to have them back joining us in Bushwick. On the show today, we are start going to start with our headlines, and then we're going to chat with our guest, our special guest, Priya Krishna. Priya is a freelance writer for publications such as Bon Appetit, New York Magazine, and the New York Times. She is also the author of a cookbook, Ultimate Dining Hall Hacks, which takes the reader through her four-year exploration of dining halls across the country and how you can make the most out of boring cafeteria cuisine. We are so happy to have you, Priya. Hi, Kat. <laughs> um, and then, as always, we're going to finish up the show with some trivia. So we're going to have some special trivia for you. Okay. Okay. Um, all right. So it's on with the show. We're going to do headlines first as normal. 
All right. On this week's episode of Eat Your Words, Kathy is joined by former New Yorker editor Emily Nunn, author of The Comfort Food Diaries, My Quest for the Perfect Dish to Mend a Broken Heart. After losing all sense of family, home, and financial security, Nunn poured her heart out on Facebook, only to discover that she had more friends than she knew. And thus began the Comfort Food Tour. And on Eating Matters, Jenna Liut speaks with uh, Chef Rick Moonen, known as the godfather of sustainability. As an environmental advocate, Moonen is currently focused on fishing policy and on encouraging people to eat fish lower down the food chain. This week's What Doesn't Kill You also explored uh, similar topics. Katie is joined by journalist Marin McKenna, whose book Big Chicken makes a powerful case for big ag to take antibiotics for growth promotion and disease prevention right out of the equation. And on Food Without Borders, Sari featured an interview with Sonia Karras, program manager at the League of Kitchens, a cooking school in New York City where immigrant instructors teach the recipes of their origin countries to students in their own homes. If you haven't heard about League of Kitchens, listen to that episode or check out the Stephen Colbert segment where he actually did a class um, with one of their Indian instructors. It is hilarious and also a great look into what one of those classes is like. Um, on Andrew Talks to Chef, Andrew visited Chef Amanda Cohen at Dirt Candy, her iconic and constantly inventive vegetarian restaurant. And lastly, Radio Cherry Bomb chatted with the queen of Italian cuisine, Lydia Bastianich. They catch up about her new book, Lydia's Celebrate Like an Italian, and what she's cooking up these days. So those are our headlines. And it's just a taste of what was on the network this week. So go check out heritageradionetwork.org to see all the other great stuff that was going on. David, do you have any favorite shows from the past week? I'm drawing a blank. Oh, maybe it's that Lambrusco you're Um, drinking. Actually, Tuesday, this past Tuesday, Beer Sessions Radio was really good. It was a Oktoberfest-themed episode, and it was just the right group of people in the room. The guests were were like really good together. Great chemistry. Did they give some history on Oktoberfest? No, not really. Mostly just like what beer to drink. Yeah, we were just drinking a lot of beer. The important stuff. (laughs) (laughs) How many beers were cracked open? Um, I don't think I have that many fingers. (laughs) Well, do you want to talk about what you're drinking right now, David? Well, Kat, I'm drinking a. (laughs) Trying to set you up here. (laughs) Funny you should mention it. (laughs) So, oh, oh, hello. Oh, hello. It's happy hour. Didn't see you there. Uh, I am drinking a Lambrusco, a, which is a sparkling red wine, or, or as I call it, a Brusco. Amazing nickname. We're Thanks. trying to get that to catch on. Yeah. Did you get that, guy? Stop trying to make fetch happen. Brusco. <laughs> We're the Brusco uh, bros and babes. Yeah. It's happening. I'm, I'm certain it's happening. I overheard somebody uh, at Roberta's refer to it as such, and so I just picked up on it. Oh, so you heard it here first at Roberta's. Hashtag I heard it here Brusco. first. Yeah. Um, if any Lambrusco company out there wants to sponsor the <laughs> network, we you are, can email. We will do anything. All of us. <laughs> David will give you a shout out in every single episode of yeah. every show. I'll go all the way for you. <laughs> It'll be the new I Love Bread. I Love Brusco. <laughs> yeah, I Love Brusco. Yeah. All right. Lambrusco Springsteen. Well, I'm so, yeah. Oh. I'm so glad you got to give your little <laughs> ode to Brusco. Uh, I think that was important to do. Yeah, well, you forced it. I know, I know. (laughs) You said you wanted to bring it up, so I did. All right, so we are now going to move on to talking to Priya, um, who I actually met when I was working at Momofuku, and Priya was on the Lucky Peach team. Um, Most people know that those entities were related, and we actually worked in the same office together. And what was the most fun about that experience was um, 
when they first showed me to my desk, it was like the one desk that faced two walls. <laughs> oh, no. So like not only did I not work for Momofuku, I worked for Lucky Peach. So I didn't know anyone in the office because I was the only Lucky Peach employee in the office. Like, I think they thought that I was like someone's kid or like, like, I, I like don't think anyone thought I was a real employee. Oh, my God. For a really long time. Oh, my time. God. It's take your daughter no to work day again. <laughs> Let's put her in the corner. And then someone was nice enough to give me their desk, which had like a full view of the whole office. And so whenever anyone came in, I could be like, hi, I'm Priya from Lucky Peach. Yeah, someone's kid. We were like diagonal kind of. There were like the four desks together. And like I was I was still facing the wall and next to the conference room, which didn't have like soundproofing at all. Mm -hmm. So I heard like everything that was ever going on. And then like, yeah, Priya was like kind of diagonal for me and she got to see like you could give me the heads up when people were coming into the office mm -hmm. yeah it was a good setup I loved that office I I I miss that office so much like I I feel like some of like my best moments at when I was at Lucky Peach were in that office it really just, I loved it and I like loved I love the 4 p.m. deliveries of milk bar like that was <laughs> yeah. insane did you know that this used to happen to the Momofuku office they would milk bar like whatever they had kind of left over that was like day old they would give to our office manager Stan and he would just bring bags and bags of like crack pie oh my god you know like compost cookies whatever and when I came I was like the only new employee in the office and everyone else had gotten really sick of milk bar so like Every day at 4 p.m., I would, like, wait for people to take the milk bar. No one would take it. And I would just kind of creep up to the kitchen and just, like, gorge on cake truffles. Yeah. Like, How do you get sick of milk? I'm sorry. Yeah. But, yeah. like, there's, like, no limit to the amount of cereal milk ice cream I can eat in my lifetime. Sometimes he surprises with pork cream. buns. Yeah. yeah. Momofuku was also very great. And our, I think it was, like, the department heads very great about making sure that everybody had a birthday party. Yeah. Um, that was super that was nice, cute. too. Yeah, it must be nice. Yeah. Wait, except that my birthday is the same day as Alex Pamoulier, who was the controller at the time. Right. Now she owns a fantastic place called Mean Sandwich, but she was way more important than me. So, like, they would throw her a birthday party, and I would kind of, and I kind of forgot about my birthday. So I would just be like, I would just kind of, like, pretend like the birthday for Alex was also yeah. for me. Oh. <laughs> Do you remember my favorite one they ever did? And they were always... They were always different and had, like, a different theme, but, like, in the loosest possible terms. Dean had a birthday party that was... Yes. We got every flavor of Bud Light Limerita. <laughs> oh, Disgusting. Yeah. But it was, like... So gross. Dean, like, loved it. Dean now works at Madison Square Garden. He does? He does. Oh, he can get Dean. all the Limerita he wants there. Exactly. <laughs> it is up his alley. Um, man. Gross. David's throwing up. Oh, I, think, I think somebody had a limerita. Yeah, too much brusco. Um, so, Priya, tell us how you got started at Lucky Peach and, and the, the, some of the things that you worked on while you were there. Um, it's it's one of those classic like cold email stories. Like, I was uh, just out of college. I was interning at a um, food PR company, and I just like hated it. I just knew immediately that it wasn't for me. And so I just, like, applied to, like, any and every, like, food-related company that looked interesting. And I, a friend had gifted me Lucky Peach when I was in college. I thought it was, like, the most amazing, spectacular magazine I'd ever seen. And so I sent an email to a now-defunct email address called thisislucky-peach at gmail.com. <laughs> and I actually still have this email, like, somewhere floating around. I, like, printed it out and kept it at my desk. 
it, it's an email that says, Stars, Dear Mr. Chang. <laughs> oh. As if, like, David Chang is, like, checking the Lucky Peach, like, info at, like, <laughs> looking for, like, interns or, like, assistants. <laughs> like, you never constantly know. Constantly hitting refresh. I scheduled an hour for him to do that every week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I sent an email. I was like, Dear Mr. Chang, like, I love Lucky Peach. I think it's amazing. I think it's groundbreaking. Here's a little bit about me. And, like, lo and behold, like, a month later, I get an email from Momofuku HR with the subject line, like, opportunity at Lucky Peach. And they're like, yeah, we're actually looking for one person to join the team. We don't really have, like, a job title, but we just need someone to just help out. And so I went and interviewed. I first interviewed with Su Chan, who is then the uh, brand director, and now she runs her own firm. And that went great. I was, like, so intimidated, but, like, impressed by her and the rest of the office. Then I did an interview with uh, Peter Meehan, um, who was the editorial director, and he, like, literally, he had never done an interview before, so he, like, asked me if the interview was going well, <laughs> if, like, this was how an interview was supposed to go, and I was, like, freaking out, because I was like, this is my, f I just graduated, this is my first interview too, Peter. <laughs> that is a very odd moment. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and we, he had ha he had actually worked at the PR firm where I was working at that time. So we kind of bonded over that. Um, and then the last interview was an interview, a Skype interview with my future boss, Adam Kreffman, who is now one of my like really, really good friends, like basically like a, like lame uncle figure. Like everyone has that figure in their life. Totally. That's Adam for me. Um, and we was in a Starbucks the like it cut out a million times I didn't think I was gonna get the job and then it turned out that me and his wife went to the same college and he was just like yeah I just figured that because you and Amy went to the same school you'd be a good fit and then he hired me <laughs> sure <laughs> sound logic um and then what did you do like day-to-day -day stuff well so my very first job at Lucky Peach was actually um doing customer service mm -hmm. so I mean, Kat knows this very well because she, like, literally heard me on the phone with customers on a daily basis. Yeah. But, like, someone, like, my, their address had changed or they didn't get, like, the street food issue. They would call a 1-800 number and I would be on the other line being like, hey, this is Priya from Lucky Peach. Like, can I send you that, like, replacement issue? And I would just, like, become, like, good friends with, like, all the people who called. And I, like, really secretly, like, really loved it. Um, and I also ran the, like, customer service email account. Um, but then eventually they started giving me more roles. It was one of those positions that was really ideal in the fact that Lucky Peach hadn't like built up any infrastructure. So whatever I wanted to do, I could do. So eventually I took over events and then PR and then all of our like marketing and partnerships. And I was able to kind of mold the role to be exactly what I wanted it to be, which was great. I got to plan some of the coolest events I've ever planned or attended. We had this big event in LA where we got like, Jonathan Gold and Roy Choi and Dave Chang to re do live readings of uh, mm. of issues of Lucky Peach. And then we took over Grand Central Market in LA and paired everyone with chefs. We did an event where we did a pop-up fake restaurant where we took over an Indian restaurant and turned it into an Indian steakhouse <laughs> called Ruth Krishna's Tandoori Steakhouse, which was inspired by Amazing. my mom's name, whose name is Ritu Krishna. <laughs> I didn't um, know that. Yeah, they were going to name it Ritu Krishna's Tandoori Steakhouse Amazing. for a while. And then I was like, my mom doesn't eat steak. And they were like, even better. <laughs> and that was the one that Ruth's Chris, Ruth's Chris got like. They tried to sue us. They yeah. sent us a cease and desist letter. It was literally the most terrifying thing. Because like I was named and like a man in a suit delivered the letter to me personally. <laughs> being like, 
see you in court. <laughs> oh, God. And so we had to change it to Randy Krishna's Tandoori Steakhouse at the last minute. There you go. Um, but, I mean, it was a blast. It was like doing marketing, PR, and events for Lucky Beach is not like doing it for any other brand because, you know, Lucky Beach is so off the wall and creative and weird. And I got to work with people who are the writers and, uh, and you know, artists I look up to today, like Rachel Kong, Chris Yang, Walter Green, um, all just amazing people. So, yeah. Yeah. And have you heard anything out of, like, Lucky Peach itself? I know you, we, you hear from the people all the time, but any word as far as, like, what's going to happen? I have no idea. I didn't even know what was happening until, like, I was on a plane for, like, three hours, and I, the, the, like, I landed, and I had, like, 50 new text messages, mm-hmm. and they all just said, like, OMG, and, but, like, didn't say what. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, God, did someone, like, pass away? Like, did some, something horrible happen? And then finally someone, like, sent me a link to an Eater article that Lucky Beach was folding. But I I, I left about a year before that happened, so I didn't really know yeah. that it was happening. Right. And then there were also, you know, the cookbooks that they did. And there was Power Vegetables, and your mom had some recipes and some mm-hmm. influence on that. Yeah. Um, my mom had the most recipes out of anyone, and actually... She's in the acknowledgments because of that. Um, I just, I remember, I remember it very distinctly. Like uh, Peter sent around um, a recipe list when he that he was workshopping, and I responded pretty firmly, being like, "There's no Indian recipes, and like you can't have a vegetable cookbook without Indian recipes because mm. like Indians make the best vegetables." And um, Peter said, "Okay, send me recipes," which I did not expect him to. I thought he was going to be like, "Okay, I'll talk to some Indian chefs." He was like, "No, send me recipes." Yeah. So I emailed my mom being like, can you send these like five recipes? And I sent them to Peter and our recipe developer, Mary Francis. And a week later, they both like came up to my desk and I thought they were going to come to my desk to be like, these recipes were just horrible. Instead, they were like, we're going to include every single recipe (laughs) in the cookbook. These are like some of the best written and best tasting recipes we've had so far. Like your mom is a genius. And I, it was, it was amazing. Like, I feel like everyone grows up thinking like, my mom's the best. My mom's food is the best. Aww. And then to get that affirmation from people who like literally cook and eat for a living mm. was incredible. And so when they say like best written, like these are things that she actually came up with on her own and, and had them like handwritten somewhere. I mean, she had, she had written them down. Like writing a recipe is like a weirdly technical thing right. like, to have to, to explain and in, in such a specific way and to provide directions where you're like, you're like giving them just enough that like they can recreate at home. They have like visual cues. Like this is what it's supposed to look like. This is what's supposed to feel like my mom just knew how to do that intuitively, even though she'd never, she had written recipes for me when I went to college, but she'd never professionally written recipes before, but she's a software engineer by training. So one thing she told me was that it's kind of like writing code where Mm -hmm. you have to be very concise and you know, you have to be very technical and you have to just, you can't, you have, you can't leave anything out. Like, Otherwise, it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. So writing recipes, just like writing code. Go mom. That's <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> yeah, your mom sounds like kind of a superhero. She's amazing. I wish, I, every time I talk about her, I'm like, I wish she could just be right here so she could talk to you. But uh, she we'll has, get her to visit and bring her on the show. I, I would love that. That would be fun. Yeah, I think we have a caller that actually has a question for Priya. Really? Really. Caller, you're on the air. Hi, Priya. This is Katie. Oh, I'm this... sorry I can't be there with you right now, but welcome to the show. Oh, I thought this, this is going to be my mom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this, this is, is your life. <laughs> this is Katie, our executive uh, director. 
<laughs> Hello. I was also expecting Hi guys. Yeah, me too. I was like, this is awesome. Well, it's very awesome to have uh, Katie. So, uh, yeah, it's so nice to have you on. Uh, speaking of code, I'm at a conference right now, not for me, but my husband. Uh, we're at DrupalCon, uh, which is a, a web. Uh, Sounds like a blast. It's a CFS. <laughs> <laughs> we're at uh, DrupalCon Trivia Night right now. Um, so I'm curious to know uh, what kind of software engineer your mom is. Um, so <laughs> I awesome. never thought I'd get this question. Um, so right now she she works for a company called uh, Intuit, which does tax software oh, yeah. like TurboTax, QuickBooks. And before that, she um, did airline software. One of the, the coolest things that I used to brag about my mom my mom wrote the software for the first self-service check-in machines. Wow. So she is, no like, way. the reason why you can go to the airport and, like, use the machines. And I remember when we used to go to the airport, and at first people were really hesitant to use these machines, and my mom would be like, we all have to pretend like we're using a machine <laughs> to, like, get people to use self-service machines. But now they're, like, now a lot of places don't even have people manning the booths. They're just self-service. She so. saved so, so many cool. people so much time. Yeah. Oh Your mom yeah. is a hero. Not only <laughs> a vegetable <laughs> hero, she is an airport hero. <laughs> the two most important types. Yeah, like, my priorities. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, Katie, I hope you're having a blast in Vienna. Oh, my God. It's been fun. I mean, right now I'm at the nerdiest trivia night that has ever nerded. <laughs> That's um, saying a lot. Nerdier than me. We're doing actually hours. really well. Uh, so the teams are only allowed to be five people, and I'm, like, a team member, so I'm really killing them. It's probably better that I left. Uh, <laughs> but we've been eating really well. Um, Those nerds! 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 What a Wait, what? <laughs> More of David's sound also, effects. everything I'm hearing is coming through, like, a muffle filter, and I have, like, a loud thing behind me. <laughs> You're, like, very, coming through very clearly here, though. I'm yeah. pretty impressed. Oh, really? Oh, that's yeah. awesome. I'm glad. Yeah. I'm calling you from Skype. Thank you, technology. Oh, there you go. Thanks, Skype. Um, have you had some <laughs> schnitzel yet? Uh, yeah, I had a Wiener schnitzel on my first night, because, uh, of course, you have to. Uh, and then uh, tonight I did really well. I had... Uh, like this amazing blood sausage, but it was wrapped in like a spring roll wrapper, and it came oh with this red cabbage with ginger. It Yum. was wild and really spicy good. and delicious. Yeah, and it had beef tongue with like red wine sauce and this crazy thing that was—I can't even say what it was called in German, but it was like imagine like pasta carbonara wrapped up in like a crepe and slice like into a log and then slice, and then the slices are like baked. Yes. So good. Please? Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Um, so, yeah, it's been fun. And um, drinking a lot of interesting, weird wine. Uh, I had a, a, what do you, a Rotter Veltliner, which is a, it's like a Gruner, but it's a red skin oh. grape, but Ooh. they make white wine. Um, it was good. It was like really full body, dry white. And uh, tomorrow we're going to Slovenia to drink more wine and, uh, go visit some vinegar people. I've been hanging out with vinegar people delivering Michael's books around the city. <laughs> it's so such a good errand fun. to be on. Yes. <laughs> yeah, good mission. And uh, and then we're going deep into a cave on Saturday, so I'm excited for that. Ooh, take some awesome. pictures. Sounds so cool. Yeah, yeah definitely. Well, uh, everything going okay there? We're holding down the fort. Yeah? Yeah. How are the new shows? The They're new shows so are good. great. <laughs> we did some headlines awesome. earlier. Yeah. 
All right. Well, we're. I think we're going to take a quick break really quick, and then we'll be back to talk more with Priya. Katie, thanks for calling all the way from Europe. We miss you. Cheers, guys. I miss you. I'll see you in a few days. Awesome. Have fun. Bye. Thanks, Bye. This episode is brought to you by Castor and Pollux, maker of America's number one organic pet food, Organics. You put a lot of care and thought into what you eat. After all, you're a food radio listener. That thoughtfulness goes hand in paw with how you feed your pets. Purposeful pet food doesn't happen by accident. Castor and Pollux scours the earth to carefully select the best organic and responsibly sourced ingredients. New Pristine from Castor and Pollux is the only complete line of pet food made with ingredients that are responsibly raised, caught, or grown. Feed your dog or cat the new standard, like grass-fed beef, wild-caught fish, and vegetables grown without synthetic fertilizers or chemical pesticides. Pristine from Castor and Pollux. Purposeful pet food. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org pets. was a sort of a remix of the Laura Palmer theme going out to you, Hannah, for not having finished Twin Peaks yet. I'm too scared. <laughs> um, do you know that they play uh, the Twin Peaks theme at, in the downstairs basement of Mission Chinese, like on loop? Yes. yes. Wait, what? Yeah. Like in the bathroom yeah. area. In, yeah. in the bathroom upstairs, too, and then in the that hall. entire hallway. Yeah. It's, it's very unnerving. So Deeply creepy. upsetting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that creepy mirror <laughs> hall. Eating. Oh, I'm into it. Instagram photos. Yeah, you should go, David. That's like right up your alley. Yeah, I want to go have a, uh, a Szechuan peppercorn hallucination while, while hearing that. Exactly. I, I've literally done that. Thing, done that. One time I got Szechuan pepper, like chili oil there. I was eating there and I got it in my eyes. <gasps> oh. <laughs> remember, remember, Kat, when we went there on your... Like, on your last night, <laughs> yes. Wait, we the, went to the, the pop, pop up. up. Oh my gosh, I like love that place. Yeah, I like. I died though because they gave us all of the like Sichuan peppercorn forward right. dishes. Yeah, I was like all all the Sichuan bring yeah. it to me. So it brought you to the Black Lodge is what you're saying. Yeah. And I, I so I bought some of the Sichuan peppercorns off of like the Food Kick. They have the the ones that like Eric Repair has collaborated with someone mm-hmm. on. And I just think you have to just have the chili oil because the Szechuan peppercorns, at least these on their own, they have the, the little bit of the numbing, but they're not very spicy. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I'm also like not good at cooking with a lot of spice. I need to be better at that. So, yeah. Anyway. Okay. Well, Priya, you, I want to talk a little bit more about some of the things you've written. Mm-hmm. Um, you're from Dallas. Yes. And but your family's from India. Yep. Um and you've written pieces for the Times such as Finding India in a Sweet Corner of Houston and How Chefs Are Finding Harmony in the Flavors of India and the American South. Um what do you think is interesting in that like juxtaposition of Indian food and the American South? Well, one thing that I thought was really interesting as I was researching that article that I didn't realize is that it's not just that 
there are tons. The first part is that there's tons of Indian immigrants in the South period. Um, like places like Atlanta, um, Houston, Dallas, the Indian communities are enormous. Um, my dad always says he came to Texas because, um, at the, at the time there weren't that many Indians, but the climate was similar. And so he <laughs> felt like, and I wonder if that was what a lot of other Indians thought too, but because of that, the second thing is that because of the climates in the American South and India are so similar, they grow a lot of the same crops. So as a result, you find in the cuisine of the American South and in a lot of Indian cuisine, you find a lot of rice, a lot of okra, like collard greens, um, like variations on grits. Like those are all things that people have in India. They're just in different preparations. And so I spoke to the chef, um, Vishwesh Bhatt, who runs a place in Oxford, Mississippi. And he literally said, I like grew up on okra and collard greens, but it was in Maharashtra, India. And then I came to Mississippi and I was like, this is the same stuff. Mm -hmm. Just like, they're just like deep frying it in buttermilk. <laughs> right. <laughs> just we fry, yeah. Fry things and make them as India's bad as also, India's as well. also love frying yeah. stuff, just like also with spices. <laughs> and then I love the piece that you did too about the, the, the sweet shop in Houston. Mm -hmm. um, and you wrote about kind of how they're traditional, they were doing a lot of traditional stuff, but then also the kids of the family wanted like chocolate, more mm -hmm. chocolate. Yeah. Yeah. Talk, can you talk about that a little bit? Um, so that is that place, Raja Sweets, I've been going to since I was like three or four. My uncle, my dad's brother lives in Houston and that is just sort of like a watering hole in the area. Um, like they're doing Indian sweets the way they should. Like they're making them fresh every day. A lot of Indian sweet shops, you'll find that they're like buying them from a third party source. They're not. Um, and I, I love that they're doing all the traditional stuff, but they, the one thing that I thought was so great was they make this chocolate, uh, burfi, which is basically like a, it's basically like, you can think of it as like a, a candy bar with like the bottom made of like condensed milk and sugar and ghee and the bot the top part just made of like a slab of Hershey's chocolate. Mm -hmm. And it was made to like appeal to the younger kid customers. And it was so delicious. I like went there and just had like straight dessert for lunch when I was reporting <laughs> the story. And it was, it was amazing. Um, and what, what, is, what is it about the sweets? Or maybe tell us like a few of your favorite kind and like what why it's important to make those day of. Um, so, like for example, one of my favorites is jalebi, and jalebi is basically like it's like a funnel cake, but uh, like imagine a funnel cake where each of the little funnels are just filled with like golden syrup. Um, jalebi is they like take dough and they squiggle it into a fryer and then it fries up and then they soak it in rose water syrup. So it's just like this like syrupy fried dough. And it's one of those things where if you're not having it fresh, it's kind of gross. Mm -hmm. Like it's actively gross if you're not having it fresh. But fresh jalebi, like there's there's this place called Evergreen in Delhi that I always go to when I visit my family. It's like a five minute walk from my uncle's house. And there's a guy just like squiggling jalebi into a fryer on the street right outside this sweet shop. And it is just like the greatest thing in the whole world. But it, you have to eat it fresh. It is just not good otherwise. <laughs> um, so then tell, tell me a little bit more. We were talking about your mom earlier, but you're, you have this book that you're working mm -hmm. on. Congratulations. Thank you. And is the working title or official title? It's the official title. Indian-ish. Indian-ish. So yes. good. And again, this is going to be a lot, a lot about pretty much all about your mom mm -hmm. and about the type of food that she would actually cook. So explain what the thought behind Indian-ish is. So my mom, interestingly enough, in India, you know, they 
have not, in a lot of ways, have not come to the 21st century. And there's very traditional gender roles where, like, the woman does the cooking and the dad goes to work. But um, my mom, like, didn't learn to cook. Like, she didn't, she didn't learn because her mom couldn't cook. Like, her mom actually wanted to be a lawyer, and both of them were sort of these very forward-thinking feminists, even living in 1960s India. Um, so her mom didn't love cooking. My mom never learned to cook, but my mom loved watching her grandmother cook. Um, and so she just, like, observed and tasted, and then she immigrated to America in the 80s after her and my dad had an arranged marriage, and she had to feed her family. And so she took what she remembered from her grandmother and sort of developed her own version of Indian cuisine. And at the time, she was also assimilating to American culture, like she was learning about pizza and pasta, and she was working in the airline software industry, so she was getting to travel the world. She went to the Middle East, she went to South Africa, she went to London, um, and so she had this really global palette. So she developed this amazing cuisine that was like very rooted deeply in Indian flavors, but pulled from the cuisines of all around the world. And you know, she had these two kids, my sister and I, who are very much products of American culture and wanted American food. So she found ways to take American dishes and like adapt them to like to Indian tastes like she makes pizza with roti bread mm. and she makes she crusts our grilled cheese sandwiches with fried curry leaves and mustard seeds mm. and she just has this amazing intuition for how flavors can go together um and I always thought it was amazing but it wasn't until she contributed recipes to Lucky Peach and I got all this incredible feedback and eventually you know was approached by people saying she should you should write a book with your mother that i thought maybe this could be something mm -hmm. do you do you know like in your mom's um like cooking experiences does she ever have like a lot of like recipe failures or does she just kind of like things oh. she put together just work no she she has some failures i would say that her success rate is probably substantially higher than most people but she's had a couple things. I like the one thing that comes to mind is my mom made this like spicy zucchini soup and she made the base. Oh God. Like just thinking about it makes me like sick. She used like milk as like the dairy in the, she wanted to make it like creamy soup. And <laughs> I like vomited at the dinner table. <laughs> when I David, had please it. don't play the sound. <laughs> please. Um, and my mom was like, that was like the, one of the most horrifying moments. <laughs> as your mom. You ate it, and you were like, I don't like it. And I was like, and she was like, you have to eat it. And you're like, like, fine, I will. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so to be fair, what are some, like, of her, like, greatest hits recipes that you, like, just loved growing up? And the, I'm sure you probably couldn't get when you went off to school. Yeah, she makes this amazing squash dish every Thanksgiving. Uh, it's called gaddu. And it's basically, like, she makes, it, it's basically, like, mashed potatoes, but just made with squash. And she tosses... Um, like she scrapes a pumpkin, tosses it with tomatoes, ginger, cilantro, uh, a ton of fenugreek and onions. And it's just, and lime. And it's just like this improbably delicious dish where you're like, how did you make squash taste like this? And we eat it with, um, buri, which is like this Indian fry bread. And it is just, it's totally phenomenal. I crave it all the time. The other thing that I love when she makes, it's this thing called Shrikhand. And it's basically like an Indian... Uh, yogurt dessert where you just take plain yogurt and you strain it a ton a ton of times um, and then you add saffron and pistachios and sugar but not too much sugar um, and cardamom and it's just like this amazing like 
you don't think dessert, you don't think yogurt can be like a real dessert, mm-hmm. but this just proves it wrong. And my friend Kush gave me the idea to take the Shrikhand and put it in a pie crust and make like an icebox pie. Ooh. And yeah, it's it's amazing. That sounds awesome. Are these going to be recipes in the book? The, these will both be in the book. Okay, mm-hmm. awesome. Can't yeah. wait. <laughs> I'm so excited to get my hands on it when it's out. I'm excited too. I was like transcribing recipes. I'm pulling a few recipes from my mom's family friends, like re- Indianish recipes that they've developed over time. Mm-hmm. And I was transcribing a recipe for um, my childhood best friend Mega, her grandmother has makes these noodles and I basically called it Indian ramen growing up but she takes like chicken ramen and like transforms it into basically like a like dry fried Indian noodles and they're so good and I was like writing the recipe down today and getting really hungry <laughs> I bet that's like one of the challenges of the job yes. just always being yes, hungry yes 100% <laughs> All right, well, we're going to switch gears really quick, and we're going to wrap up the show with some trivia. And we've been talking a lot about Indian food and Indian-ish food, but we're going to talk about Texas food, because that's where you're from. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're talking about Texas food. So these aren't going to be too hard, I think, and, I, I, and if you don't get them right, I don't oh, think God. you're going to feel too bad. <laughs> it's not, this is, you'll see why. Okay, so the first question is, what is the state food of Texas? What is the state food of Texas? Um, I don't know. To me, I guess either like Tex-Mex or like breakfast tacos. <laughs> is it either of those? No. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you're on the right track. It's not barbecue, but it is chili. Oh, chili. Interesting. Yeah, chili. Okay, you're talking to someone who like grew up surrounded by like 90% Indians. Yeah. So... Yeah, you have to, just, you're gonna have to think tough. outside outside the box a little. I had more just like <laughs> more just like cowboy like okay. stereotypes. Okay, okay, got it. All right, the next question: What breed of cattle was designated as the official large mammal of Texas in 1995? Oh my god, <laughs> the official large. I, I took like Texas history. There is a small one. <laughs> Every state has one, right? I feel like I'm failing my second grade Texas history teacher because I she definitely taught us stuff like this. Okay, just think about like the most cliche breed of cattle that like has a restaurant chain named after it. On belt buckles a lot. Yeah. Oh. There's a football team. The, oh, longhorn? Yeah. Oh, great. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was trying to act out longhorns. You said that was what did it. <laughs> Turn into, <laughs> into charades. That's no, great for radio. Straight trivia. <laughs> yeah, very visual. <laughs> all right. Um, all right. We ha- it wouldn't be Texas trivia without the barbecue question. So do you know which month is National Barbecue Month? Is it July? No, but close. <laughs> Earlier in the year. Uh, May? Yes. Great. On the second try. That's good. That's good. All right. Which of these beers is not from Texas? Okay. Is it Lone Star, Shiner, or Amstel Light? Uh, Amstel Light, right? Yes. It's from like the Netherlands or something. Yeah. Everyone in Texas drinks Shiner. (laughs) Yeah. Lone Star is gross. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I don't like Lone Star. It is so I, bad. I like Shine. It's no Lambrusco. <laughs> but Lone Star has those, like, puzzles on the caps, which makes it really I don't fun. know if I've ever had a Lone I've Star. Ne- I've never if had If you it. get a bottle, they have, like, a visual, huh. um, like, a how puzzle to, on it. 
how I thought you were like a visual on how to open the can. Yeah. Hey, dum dum. You're 12 beers in. If you go, you to, might need some help opening it, this bottle. No. If you go to uh, Do or Dive in Bed Stuy, they have it, but I don't recommend oh, it. Oh, yeah. Mm. I think I'll pass. I'll, I'll stick with Shiner. <laughs> um, okay. Last question. This pastry originated as a semi-sweet wedding dessert from Central Europe, but now has a cult following in Texas. Um, is it kolaches? Yes. Ding, ding, ding. That was it. Amazing. Good job. Yeah, you killed it. You know Texas. You know Texas. <laughs> All right. Well, that's our show. Priya, thank you again for joining us. This was thank so you, fun. Kat. Yes, Bring your mom great. next time. I will. <laughs> <laughs> or have her call in. Um, and that, that's it. Thanks for listening. This show, this week's show is produced by Liz Mystic. Um, thank you to David for producing, for engineering the show and for all of the weird sound effects. Um, thanks to Sam and Hannah for being here. And uh, join us next week. Uh, Katie will be back in Brooklyn and we're going to be joined by Mitchell Davis and Ashley Koziak from the James Beard Foundation. Our theme song is Suns Out, Guns Out by Concord America. See you next week. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network food radio supported by you for our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events subscribe to our newsletter enter your email at the bottom of our website heritageradionetwork.org connect with us on facebook instagram and twitter at heritage underscore radio heritage radio network is a non-profit organization driving conversations to make the world a better fairer more delicious place and we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. HRN Happy Hour is powered by Simplecast. Simplecast is a popular hosting and analytics platform that allows podcasters to easily host and publish to apps like Apple Podcasts. If you have a podcast or are looking to create your very first, check it out. Try it for free and save half off your first three months at simplecast.com forward slash heritage.